Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast. I'm Khani Walshansky, your host, and this is my new exclusive series, Ordinary Moments Create Extraordinary Results. This is where I interview school leaders to share the real, the raw, and the messiness of what it takes to build and sustain a school of excellence. These stories highlight the transformation that's possible and an invitation to my upcoming event, the Summit of Excellence. As the world continues to be volatile, uncertain, and ambiguous, leaders continue to hunt for ways to build culture, hire and retain staff, and create profit and legacy within their center. The need to come together in person has never been greater. This event is for owners, directors, executives, high-level mentor teachers, VP of operations, and truly anyone that is on the leadership team and a stakeholder in the education of the children. This event is a co-creation experience that is highly focused on building your network and your skill set so you continue to learn how to lead within this climate and environment. We have a super high focus on experience and luxury, and we're excited for you to get to connect with other like-minded leaders. By listening into this series of Ordinary Moments, I hope that you walk away with true insights into what it takes to lead an extraordinary center. Welcome to Ordinary Moments, Create Extraordinary Results. Today, I'm excited to connect with Aaliyah Roberts, who is the owner of Pratt Street Learning Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Aaliyah and I really connect on a lot of different things, one of them being the concept of the excuse of there's not enough time. She shares some insight into the fact of her highest turnover that she had during a particular season and this kind of force shift that she needed to move herself through as she started to uncover the lies that she was telling herself about being busy, about needing to work all the time um, and needing to show up and not feeling like she was doing enough. She talks about the reciprocity that started to play itself out with her staff and her families as she started to adopt this mindset of leadership, of letting go, of showing up for the team. This conversation is full of golden nuggets of all the excuses that we make. Uh, There's not enough time and I can't do it now and I'm still in survival. So if this is you, 
I hope you lean in and enjoy my conversation with Aliyah Roberts. So welcome back everyone to Ordinary Moments Create Extraordinary Results, the real and imperfect routines and systems that build schools of excellence. Today, I'm excited to connect with Aliyah Roberts and Aliyah and I connected in June, I want to say, of 2021. So we only knew each other for a very short period of time at the time of the release of this episode, which is in January of 2022. But in this short period of our relationship, I've really gotten to know who Aliyah is, who she wants to become, who she's evolving into becoming. And today we're really going to talk about the systems that Aliyah had introduced into her center that have created transformational results for her company. So thanks so much for joining me here today, Aliyah. I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you for having me. I want to get started with where you began when you started your center. You have an interesting story. I know your mom um, is kind of like a silent owner. So tell us a little bit about the history and the context of your company before we dive into what you're doing tonight. So I am, you know, a lot of times they, they speak about pastor's children. So I was kind of one of those. I grew up in the household that um, had a uh, child care program in the basement. That is all I remember. So I kind of grew up um, with children around. We literally was talking about the other day. We asked about a little boy who was with us even on Christmas Day years ago. Like it was always children around. So my mother has been doing this work um, since I was about two or three. From my understanding, I was a really sick child. So she ended up having to stay home and she began caring for children in the neighborhood. So that is all I had known. And um, staff who have been with my mother, been working with her for years, still laughed because I vowed to never be a part of the childcare industry. <laughs> this was not, I, I was like, I will never, I don't see how you guys do it. I love the children. I will come downstairs, see them, but this was not my journey. And it wasn't initially. So um, I have a um, fashion background. I went to school for fashion merchandising. So I was a buyer. But then when my daughter was about five years old, I was toying with the idea of moving to California to continue in the fashion industry. Um, but my mother actually was acquiring a building and wanted me to join with her and partner with her in the childcare, but on the business side. So um, she's very much in the kitchen, cooking meals, holding babies. That is her thing. And I was coming in on the business side. And, and that's what happened um, 13 years ago. So it's been 13 years now. And it was the best decision I've ever made. What made you decide to say yes to something that you kind of almost swore you would never say yes to? What was, there, what was the catalyst for the yes? So at that point, I was a mother. So in my 20s, so I was a young mom and the fashion industry is very fast paced. So I saw that there, there was a divide, you know, I worked long hours. And at that point I started questioning, was it worth it? You know, I love what I did. It was, it was my passion, but you know, this could be something to where as though I could continue on my mother's legacy. It could be something I could build for my children. And it sounded good. It sounded good. Interestingly, you know what I'm forgetting? Interestingly. I was offered a different position. I went to another buying company. I was offered another position the same day that we got the license for the childcare for Pratt Street Learning Center, which is still in operation. And the childcare reimbursement, the pay salary was, you know, it, 
I had to compare the salaries and make a decision. And I remember seeing which one should I do. I can kind of um, support on the business side and not be there every single day. So I took the job, but I still helped create the foundation and handbooks and things like that. Three months later, my whole department was laid off. They restructured the business. I literally left. I remember leaving the company and I walked into Pratt Street as the director and was there ever since. And I don't believe that it was, um, you know, I don't believe it was by chance. I don't think anything is really by chance. I think there's so much divine intervention that really comes into, into everything. And, you know, if you're a person of faith, it's God, universe, whatever you want to call it. But I think there's so much that is beyond our control. What we think we're the puppeteers of our life and we're really, really not. So let's dive a little bit into the mindset that you have slowly shifted into when it comes to being more organized, being more systematic, being more methodical, more intentional. What was kind of this breaking point? And and I know it's never one thing. There's always like a bunch of things that lead up to like, okay, I can't do this anymore. First, what is the, I can't do this anymore? And then what was the breaking point of, I've got to do something different. Interestingly, and I think I told you this before, I will never forget, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, you think you can multitask. I was on a retreat. So in June, you had the uh, the conference and I was yep. on a retreat and I was listening. I'm, I'm like an audible girl. So I'm listening and um, all, you kept saying, you are not a machine. You are not a machine. That was it. And I was, at that point, I was truly tuned in because I wanted to understand. I'm like, I'm not a machine, right? So at some point I adopted it. And I was like, I'm not a machine. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why do I think that I could do all of these things and do them well? It's stressful. Nothing's really getting done as effectively as they should be. But I'm, you know, I'm all over the place. So that really started the mindset shift in regards to I am not a machine and I need to do something about how I am operating so that it can ultimately trickle down and be more effective for my team and my organization. So that really was a catalyst. It started there as well as we, we had a major shift, right? A lot's been going on with COVID, but we had a major shift in my organization where we had the biggest turnover we've ever had. Like we prided ourselves on low turnover and including my director, like I've never had to fill a director position. It just So uh, we started having this turnover. So many things were happening in the organization where it was kind of also a force shift, whereas though I had to take a look at um, staffing systems, the organization, and figure out how, because it, there was no way that I could do all of the work that needed to get done. I really needed to look at the system that we had set up to make sure that it would be conducive to the direction we were going. So in addition to the the new mindset of um, I am not a machine and all the changes that were happening, I knew it was time to make some major changes. And and that's when, you know, I really, that's when I joined the owners um, and owners group and I had my director join the director's group so that we could begin this mind shift change together and change the organization. So I have an interesting question for you that I don't think I've ever asked you before. It is, why didn't you continue to believe well, I just need to do more. I just need to hunker down more. I just need to work harder. I just, because so many people believe that. I know that the hundreds of people that are listening to this episode are going to be like, well, Aliyah, you just didn't try hard enough. You don't just push yourself more. Why did you say, I can't believe that bullshit anymore? What was it? It just didn't make sense. It's like insanity, right? Insanity. We keep doing the same thing over and over again. And you, yeah. 
the results are the same. So I've been working 10 to 12 hour days, like all the time. And my kids, they always say, well, you know, you're going to work again. You're still working. I remember sitting at my desk, like 5 p.m. And my husband called. He's like, are you leaving yet? I was like, no, no. He's like, well, what are you doing? I didn't know what I was. I didn't have anything to do. I really didn't have anything to do, but I had to be here because I just had to be here. That's just what I do. And I found myself just doing stuff and I was busy, but not really productive. And it just didn't make any sense. So I had to start looking at what I was doing every day. Once I began to really understand that I'm at the head of this organization and if I'm all over the place and yes, we're doing well, things look really good. However, our systems, everything was all over the place and there really was no set, there was no set system. So therefore, you know, it didn't make any sense. So how much more effective would we be if I really hunkered down on what I was really good at and allowed those people who were a part of the organization to tap into what they were really great at, reduce the amount of time that we're working, be more effective and productive, how much more better will we be? And it costs less. Like, I mean, come on. So, and I could spend more time with my children. Like, yeah. all of it just made sense. Like, you know, it yeah. didn't, again, it didn't make any sense. I was here for all of those hours just to be here. You know, it didn't make sense. So. I love that you had that awareness in that moment when you were speaking to your husband around, wow, I'm just, I'm here just to be here. Like, I'm working just to be working. Like, I'm busy just to be busy. Right. And I think it takes so much deep reflection because I think people are listening to it and saying, well, your story is not my story. I'm actually working. I'm actually producing things like I'm I'm doing stuff, but it's not true. You're not. No, like there, there comes a certain point where it's the work actually becomes a slog. You're not actually productive anymore because it's too grueling on your body. You are forgetting that you're not a machine, that you're a human. So you spoke so beautifully just a few minutes ago where you're like, you know, and things were cheaper and everything was better and we have all these systems, but it's never this, you know, Candyland approach, you know, there's such a purging and a almost destructive phase first before we enter this beautiful place. So what were those episodes about? Like the real, the raw, the messy, and the ugly. So let's talk about... As you started to realize, okay, I need more efficiency. I need a calendar. I need time blocks. What were you doing that wasn't necessarily healthy while you were doing all these good things? Like, what were some of the filling the void, right? Because when you're at work till 7 p.m. and then you all of a sudden start cutting home early, you don't all of a sudden work with and like, all right, you want to read a book. I'm going to make cookies for everyone. Like, that's not what we do. <laughs> Something actually that was an aha moment on the retreat that I was on that day. We spoke about where this mindset came from that I had to be so busy and I had to, I mentioned earlier about carrying on the legacy and I had to do all of this stuff. I really realized about myself that a lot of things I was putting on myself, like no one expected all of these things from me. It, it really was me saying that, no, if I'm not here, if they don't see me, if I'm not a part of it, that I'm not stepping up to the plate. So I really started to realize that a lot of that inner chatter. It was, it was me. So I, I had to, you know, kind of realize, okay, a change needs to be made because I'm ultimately doing all of those things and I'm missing out on important moments in my home. So my husband would send pictures sometimes, you know, of them taking a walk in the playground. And I'm like, 
I wish I could. I literally said, I wish I could be there. And he was like, well, why can't you? I had no answer. So I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to see my children at the playground. We're going to take our walks. That's a big thing for them, taking walks around the neighborhood, nothing major. Yeah. I remember not, I, I ended up, you know, having one, one of my daughters, I ended up hiring her as like an assistant because I was going back to school. I'm a PhD student on top of everything else. So I needed some additional support and I, I would literally have to create a reminder to eat and ask her to heat my food up. Otherwise I wouldn't leave the office because I was too busy. And I don't want to make it seem like I wasn't busy yeah. or I wasn't, yeah. I was, yeah. but I was man manufacturing. I was adding things. Oh, I can catch up. I can catch up. But I was never caught up ever. And I really didn't have a higher level goal of what needed to get done today. And what really frustrated me was at the end of the day, I took a look at everything that I had done and I didn't feel like I accomplished anything. So it, it was, it was like, it was madness. I, again, I got stuff done, but there really wasn't a bigger picture. There wasn't a, a major task. There wasn't a focus. So again, by the end of the day, I was like, oh my goodness, what did I really get done? I'm tired. I feel like a rung out towel. But what truly happened today? Exactly. What really happened? And I couldn't really answer for it. So none of it made sense. None of it made sense. One of the practices that you've really adopted is the gratitude practice. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast. We have a whole episode, episode three on the show. Sometimes I feel like I talk about it ad nauseum in all of my groups and all the coaching. What shifted for you as you began to really adopt this mindset of this gratitude practice for your company? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't wait to get to the end because it just happened a few days ago. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because it really didn't take much at all to implement, but it made such a difference. By me taking out the time to express gratitude and make sure that, that my staff received that the feedback about, you know, what I had seen, what I've been seeing them do and just writing cards. I started making videos and sending them out. They were just sporadic. They were all over the place. And I got, you know, so much great feedback from staff in regards to it that we do our um, bi-week staff meetings. We're doing them virtually right now because of COVID. Mm -hmm. We do our meetings and they have a set agenda and a part of it is, um, it's called headlines it's about gratitude. It's supposed to last about five minutes because every piece of the agenda is time, but that is the longest part of our meeting. So it's headlines, it's scorecards, we go over all of our information. And then it, the, the, the longest part of the meeting is supposed to be issues where we work through issues. That's like the shortest amount of time. But the longest amount of time is so many people shouting out their coworkers because they are, they are grateful that they did whatever. And that is the longest part. So I'm typing and I'm typing because I record the minutes and I'm typing all of the shout outs that the staff are giving one another. It's no longer just me expressing this gratitude. It has now been adopted as everyone gives gratitude to everyone. And this happens bi-weekly. It, it's, it's, Things that seem so little, but they're huge to everyone else. Like we have one staff person who breastfeeds, so she takes time. It, so she's so grateful to the staff who relieves her during that time. It's staff who had some losses and family members. So they, you know, they express gratitude for everyone just being so supportive. 
But I promise you, every other week, we spend so much time because everyone wants to say thank you to someone else in the organization. And, and it's huge. It has totally changed the, the feeling within our organization as well. And by the time we get to issues, because issues doesn't always have to be like an issue. It just may be a topic of discussion. Sure. We, it might be one or two things, but we don't spend the 30 minutes on it that's allotted. So, you know, I'm so excited about that. But ultimately, what I was going to get to is our last day before we left uh, for winter break uh, last week. Thursday was our last day. They called me into the, the auditorium and it was a surprise. So I walked in and they had a presentation and they had a tree and it had all of these cards on it. And it was called the giving tree. And it had cards of gratitude from all the staff to my mom and I. I did the same thing. Like, so, and I posted the video and everything, but it was such a surprise because it meant so much. It wasn't a gift. It wasn't, they also did give a card, but the tree just had notes of gratitude on it. So the gift came back. It came back and it wasn't planned. And they said they worked, over, you know, they worked all week to keep it a secret. But that was ultimately how we ended off our school year was a giving tree to myself and my mother which was, again, it just created, it totally created the environment that, that I set. So I got a couple questions for you here. Curious, take a step back, listen here. Do you have a nice culture or do you have a kind culture? You see, in a nice culture is where there's people pleasing, you're being agreeable. In a kind culture, you come from a place of generosity and benevolence. In a nice culture, people gloss over people's concerns with superficial words. In a kind culture, people take meaningful action to support other people in the way that they need it most. This is probably the most prevalent in our industry. In a nice culture, people are concerned about hurting other people's feelings. While in a kind culture, people are committed to speaking with respect and doing what is best for the team as a whole and the organization. In a nice culture, people are very focused on other people's opinions and being liked. In a kind culture, people are focused about being supportive and aligned with the mission, vision, and values. And lastly, in a nice culture, there's non-existent boundaries and we act from expectation of others. In a kind culture, we show up from a place of empathy and accountability with strong and healthy boundaries. Building a kind culture is what is needed in this post-COVID world. Building a kind environment where staff don't have a zero-sum game, but they show up with generosity for other people is how you're going to build higher retention and incredible opportunity for everyone to contribute, to step up, to up-level, and find joy, meaning, and purpose in their work. And so if you're looking to build that type of organization in 2022, then I encourage you to check out the Summit of Excellence. The link is in the show notes. Come join us in person in Florida, March 1st and 2nd. We're capping at 100 people. Come be part of the incredible experience. Click the link in the show notes for more information. So many spots on there. Let's talk about a couple of things here. Let's talk about a timeline here for a second. Because you joined in June, right? So we have June, July, August, September, October, November, December. So you have about seven, probably about six months, right? Yes. Six months is not a very long time 
right? It is a long time and it isn't a long time. But what you did consistently over six months is a very ordinary practice of gratitude. Yes. And what it did is this unbelievable compounded effect of people being part of a culture of contribution. You didn't tell them, create a giving tree for me, write gratitude for me in honor of the holiday. You planted all these beautiful seeds. And then, you know, proverbially, you have this tree planted for you of everyone wanting to share this gratitude. And I hear so much resistance sometimes from leaders of like, but I do gratitude, but I say thank you. And, and it doesn't work. Right. I'm sure you've had this thing before you joined in June, you know, where you were like, but I give thank you, but I say gratitude, but I show appreciation. What was the real shift in these kind of consistent things that you did over the last six months that's different from the previous kind of appreciation or gratitude that you showed the team? I think it, it was how we started. It was how we started the year. It was the intentionality. It was really the intentionality. Like, so the gratitude, you know, we say thank you. And, you know, I, I remember hearing that, you know, we just don't thank you enough. Like I would hear and I was like, but we say thank you all the time. The intentionality behind it, not that it wasn't genuine before, but it's ingrained in who we are. And it's also not just me doing it. It's creating the culture to where as though we're all doing it and we want to do it. Not that, you know, it's tied to your pay or it's not forced. It's something that you end up wanting to do. Not only that, because interestingly, right, June is when we learned it, but we really started with a lot of new staff end of August, like our school year I, I, really begins. So we had orientation for a whole week, but the way we started the school year off, that's really what set the tone. So for the first time we closed for a week, we didn't have children and we dedicated it to staff orientation and we worked together as a team and we created a school theme together. And we, we constantly talk about it, right? It, 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 it wasn't just created in August. We still do it. Like it, it's like who we are. So we live by that. We created this um, foundation together. And we work together as a team. And we also have core values that, again, they're not just written. That's what we live by every single day. So, and now gratitude is a part of it. it it's something new that it's like a concept that I learned, but shared it. But I didn't only share it verbally, but we do it. So it actually is just engraved in who we are now. And it just shows in our work every day. What's happened is, is a new identity shift that both you and the directors, your leadership team and staff have really embodied. And when we shift identity, that doesn't happen in an overnight process. There isn't a pill or a biohack or whatever to become a new person. And that is unfortunately what so many people want now. Just give me the tactic, give me the strategy, give me the 10 step process. And while we do teach processes and systems in schools of excellence, it's never this linear approach of like, well, follow this exactly. And then this is exactly what's going to happen in your center. Every single leader that has implemented the gratitude matrix has seen different results in the organization, right? Not every leader has a giving tree given to them before Christmas, but every single leader has experienced one thing that's a common denominator, a culture of contribution where people want to be part of something bigger. And so I want to hear from you, Aaliyah, what are some of your new rhythms or routines 
as a business owner, where you continue to create this culture of contribution, of giving, of reciprocity, um, and of less issues, right? Every time, there's always going to be issues, right? Thinking that you're going to solve all issues is, is that, that doesn't happen. But there's less. Talk to us a little bit about that. Something else that I learned from the conference and just being a part of your schools of excellence is the fact that I am not always available to staff. That that used to be a thing. My door, I prided myself on my doors always open. And it was like, no, but you don't have time for the door to be open. And I was like, I don't have time. I have things I have to do. So things to do, places to go. Exactly. Exactly. So I adopted that, but what it also did, right, because in my mind, my team needs me. But in a different way, what it did was it created this level of not just accountability, but empowerment to where it's though they don't need me in the way that I thought they needed me because they, they really have all the skills and they have the tools. Also, the reason they have so much gratitude for one another is because they're all stepping up to be there and to support one another so that there's not as many issues because they're able to problem solve and figure out, you know, well, how can we take care of this? Like it's, most things that I hear about is already done and going and taken care of. They've taken care of it. That's why there's not as many issues. That's why there's so much gratitude. And I'm able to just continue on with my work. Like my door right now is closed. It's closed a number of times. I have my schools of excellence posting on the door. And if that's, I am not available because I'm creating a school of excellence, but it's just kind of become a part of every day. And the team, they're just, they're, they're able, they're just able. And I believe that they've shown that, you know, I'm not needed as much and I don't have to be seen as much as I thought I did. And it's not a bad thing because for a second, you know, I sat back and listened to them. The gratitude was not about me. It's, it's rarely about me at all. I rarely get a gratitude. And that in itself, that was like, they really don't need me. But at the same time, right, when you think of it in the right way, it was really a proud moment. Like, look at all of this that's happening. And I don't even have to be a part of it. Like, they really, really run the program. I'm like, I mean, good. I could just go to the Bahamas all day. Before we go into that, before we go into you're not needed and all of that, because I want to I want to talk about that process. One of the reasons why there are less issues in a culture of contribution is because there isn't one person solving all of the problems. There's a lot of people all using their brain collectively coming together to solve problems. So automatically, it just like math, it's going to be less because there's more people working on it as opposed to 50 problems, one person solving it, 50 problems, 40 people solving it. Well, yeah, there, there's going to be less issues. So let's talk about the grief. Let's talk about your team doesn't need you. And most importantly, what I want to dial in here, what you shared is when people share gratitude, it's almost never about you. Can we please talk about that feeling that happens? Maybe the Maybe now you've overcome it, but those first couple of times, when the team is coming to speak and you're not part of the person that is on this big giant pedestal and the hero of everyone's life anymore. What does that feel like? It was a heart drop at first. It was like, right, yeah. And then for a second, I was like, well, am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, 
you know what? Maybe they don't see all the stuff that I'm really doing behind the behind these closed doors. They don't work all of these thoughts. And then I was like, that's crazy. Look at what's happening, right? Don't we always say, oh, I, I just wish. I mean, I wish they could just figure it out themselves. And I wish and I wish. And it's happening. It's literally happening. So those were the thoughts at first. And I still, I still remember the first time I went out on, this was a few years ago and we, we weren't in this space, but I remember going out on maternity leave and coming back and it was kind of like, oh, you know, oh, okay, great, you're back, but you don't, you don't have to be here all day. It was like, what do you mean? Like, you guys don't want me here. That's the message you get. But it's like, isn't that what we want? We say we want it, right? We say, oh, I want the team. But then when we get it, yes. we're like, but now I'm not needed. Am I doing enough? Am I worthy enough? They're not seeing what I'm doing, right? So that's why this shift is so challenging because our mind wants it, but our heart and our soul is saying, but what about me? See me, right? Because we have a, a need to be seen and heard and validated. So I don't want to talk now about how you made this transition right? Where you're no longer seeking this type of validation and support and feedback loops. How do you feel yourself now as you've made this transition where the team gives gratitude to one another and they take care of one another? What are your new systems? What are your new routines? The truth of the matter is the fact that it's happening, it is allowing me to move closer to, towards where I'm working towards going. So we have like a three-year picture. We have a one-year plan. And over the next three years, the plan is for me to transition into my rightful place, which is a visionary. Like I'm, that's kind of what I do. And I'm sure that there is someone better at managing the everyday tasks behind this desk. So while I put it in the plan, and that's ultimately what I wanted, it began to be a little difficult that I was moving closer to that. But now I'm grasping the fact that I'm getting closer and closer to that point. Um, not everyone will be moving in that direction to where as though they won't be on site every single day. But that's the plan. And I'm kind of just becoming comfortable with the fact that something soon, I just won't be here every single day because I'm building a team. That's the point of the systems. That's why we're creating them. And we're creating this organization um, that where the staff can be um, self-sufficient and I'm building an admin team that could do the same thing. That's ultimately what I wanted and it's happening. So it took a moment, not a long time, but it took a moment and I really just had to shift my mind to see it for what it was and be proud at what, what just took place. Like to be able to sit back and watch it happening, it's like, oh my goodness, it, it's really, it's really happening. So the next steps are really to continue to strengthen, to strengthen. And not that now that we're creating the systems, are they going to be perfect? We're refining, we're refining, and we're still having conversations. We're still having those bi-weekly meetings. We have to keep talking about the issues because we don't want anything to build. Um, that's the purpose of us having them that often. We used to have them every week. It was overkill. And I was like... I don't want them to not feel like these meetings are important, but we have, we have these moments so that they don't linger too long and it becomes a bigger issue. So let's talk about them now. So we'll continue to do what all the things that we um, set, but we do still reflect what's going well, what's not going so well, you know, so we need to continue to refine and strengthen those systems. So that's where we are now. 
How do you resist the urge to jump back into old habits, to micromanage, to find like how you've built systems and infrastructure, but just there's a lot of people that are listening to this that have done what you've done, right? That have built, built it and then gone back and sabotaged it completely without recognizing. How do you resist that urge to jump back in inside of there? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't want to feel that way again. It, it's so, it's a liberating feeling. Not only that, it, it just feels so powerful. It feels so powerful. And it's, I'm just proud of where we are. So I, I would have no desire whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back there. Go back at all. No. Mm-hmm. And to see such growth, right? To yeah. see growth in myself and other people in a matter of months. It's like, what else can we do? You know, we're the conversation that I'm having with staff is now that they are, they resolve one thing and now they realize that they, I, the videos that I were doing, I don't, I don't typically do videos and I don't do lives and I don't record myself. So when I did them, they were a challenge. And my, one of my staff said, you know, I, I really like those videos. I think I'm going to try them for my parent. I, you know, I'm kind of scared to get behind the video, but I'm going to do it. Right. So these are the type of things that are happening is that we're facing our fears and we're challenging ourselves because once they start seeing that they could um, resolve issues and they could problem solve and, and they're self-motivated, then we're, we're all just going to grow individually and then we grow together. So it's exciting to watch it. Yeah, I think the other thing that I'm, I want to bring awareness to you from is you're very aware of where you're going. And so it's easier not to fall back into old habits when are cognizant of what we're building yes what we're creating and why we're going there then even when we get the thing that we want we go back over there because we're not aware that no no no, this wasn't the end of the world there's more to the journey so i think that piece i just want you to be aware of like you're hyper aware of the mission and vision and values of what you're doing here in this world and what you're building. And that creates that tight alignment with not falling backwards. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. So for, for anyone that's listening, you know, and, and you've come to a place where Aaliyah is and, and you find yourself sliding back. One of the reasons we slide back is we've lost ourselves. We've lost what we're, what we're really pursuing. So. Let's go into, as we kind of, you know, wrap things up over here, this series is all about ordinary moments, create extraordinary results, right? And some of the ordinary moments of gratitude and these simple systems, the door sign, these are simple, ordinary things that have created massive impact. What are some of the ordinary moments that you are enjoying as a mom and a business owner because you're doing this work? The balance, the balance. So I am not here just for no reason anymore. Very intentional. I still remember learning about, like going through the modules and learning about theme days. And then like I literally have them in my calendar. So I'm very focused. I have a focus when I come in every day so that I'm able to to focus. And, and something that I uh, learned to do, I actually was speaking with someone else and they told me about thinking about all the things that I do throughout the day and not just with work that if I look at them as activities that I complete and I'm, I'm proud of them and I look at them as something that I actually have done, I won't feel like I haven't 
completed something at the end of the day. Like, for example, having my shakes every morning is a big thing. Getting my children to school on time is a big thing. Doing a building tour is a big thing. So if I'm able to get those done, which I usually do by 9 a.m., I actually had a, a really good day. I had a good day. Everything else on top of that is great, but I had a good day. So thinking of it differently, having my theme days, blocking out um, my time, making sure that I have a focused day allows me to be a lot more balanced. It allows me to leave here at a, at a reasonable hour, go home, take walks with my children or do whatever it is that they uh, want me to do. And quarterly now, um, I'm actually doing more traveling. So my husband and I with the children, we're actually able to have more time off. And then I, I have my days for school. So I'm just really able to balance better without being at work all the time for hours on hours with no reason behind it. So all in all, I am a lot more balanced and my time is used effectively. You're creating memories with your husband and children that, you know, when we look back at the end of our life, it's those moments where we're like, I used my time for what matters. And really those are some of the greatest regrets that we always have in life. Did I use my time? which is my only non-renewable resource in a way that really matters to me in that season, right? How old are your kids again? Um, remind me. That my young kids and nine and then right. they're older. But those are yeah, nine, right. So your two younger ones, like they're only seven and nine ones, right? Like you'll have these bigger seasons where you're not taking care of young kids and you don't have this opportunity, right? And I think this obsession with the time of everything has to be now and I have to do it now, now, now. Why? Right. And you've really embraced this beauty of slowing down, of not working just to be working um, and really embracing this balance, which I think is such a gift. And I appreciate you sharing that with the many people that are going to be listening, because I think that provides inspiration and hope for many. So my last question to you would be is exactly that, you know, what is a journal prompt or reflection question, something for our listener to be thinking about after they heard your story? What do you want them to walk away with? What can they think about? Just being be reflective, being reflective on what is it that you desire as an individual, because you are not a machine. And we tie ourselves so much to our work that we don't take a moment to think about what it is that we need and we want individually. And what that also does is it allows you to do the same for others. Because we have staff and their individuals as well, teach them to do the same thing. So reflect, journal, have personal thoughts and personal goals, balance your life so that there's no regrets, and then teach your staff to do the same. And then we'll all be a lot more well-balanced and a better team for the children and families that we serve. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Ordinary Moments. And take a couple minutes to pause and self-reflect on how this really might impact you, your family, and the center. So I also want to share that the Summit of Excellence is very fast approaching. It's going to be held on March 1st and 2nd, 2022, right here in Florida. And sometimes we like to know what have some previous attendees shared? What is really going to be the impact on my center? What has the ROI been? How is it really taken into account? leadership skills and long-term impact of culture and really creating profit and legacy within the organization. So take a listen into what some of our attendees have had to say about our past events. 
This really is the best professional development that I have found. I've gone to a lot of conferences. This one is beyond just getting information. This has been my third live event. Every single time I attend a live event, it's totally different because Khani continues to up her game, continues to do research, continues to refine exactly what she's giving over. There's a lot of positive energy here. Connie does a really good job of hand-picking and curating everyone who ends up here because other conferences, if you're, you're, you're talking to people, there's a, you know, there can be a, a slight negativity. People bring their problems. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're a little bit more apt to say, well, I, 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 that would never work at my school. I've tried that before. But I don't know. There's, there's a different energy here. The Summit of Excellence is truly an experience for the school leader who wants to drive more impact in their community, be inspired by a network of peers, deliver high-quality care to the children, and build a team of leaders. So if you're even a little curious about this event, after all the stuff that you've been hearing about it, and you are looking to connect with someone and have a personal conversation, then we have some contact information for you right here in the show notes. You'll be able to connect with someone from my team or myself for you to understand more. Is the Summit of Excellence right for you? Is it right for your team? Is it right for your center? Sometimes we just need to have that conversation with someone to alleviate our concerns, to be able to ask those questions about how it makes sense for you. And I totally understand it, right? This event is capped at 100 people. It's a curated experience. We want to make sure that if you are the right fit, you're in this room and making sure that we're really creating this experience for you and for all the attendees that are going to join us. So if you'd like to connect with myself or the team, please click the link in the show notes for more contact information. And I look forward to connecting with you. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week, and I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.